0: Good morning. I invite you to join me now for a moment of prayer. God of amazing friendship and supportive community, your body of many believers, too numerous to count, yet all united by your transforming grace, gather today to give you praise, that we may be illuminated by your spirit. We come to lift our voices, lift our hands, and give you all that we have. In our thanksgiving for your constant presence with us, we pray that you will know our devotion to you. Transform all areas within us in need of you, that our every breath may glorify you for all that you have done for us. God, we pray today for this community of believers that make up the body, washed clean of sin through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, who lived his whole life teaching each of us how to love. We lift up each person in this community, near and far, who seeks to live out your love. Thank you for giving us Jesus, who came to teach each of us so that we could better see, hear, touch, and more deeply understand getting to know the greater magnitude of your amazing love. Thank you for your example of love and resurrection in new life and for demonstrating your love to us for us to be able to perform. As you continue to lead us, grant us peace in the knowledge that all the work we do might reflect your righteousness, des- maybe deserving of an unending grace and love that we have been given, though we know that you love us unconditionally. Still, help us to know that we can live our lives of faith proclaiming your word in all that we do so that maybe we may look back at our lives and see that we were carried by your love and by your grace through all that we did. Walk with us, mold us to your vision, Guide our hands and our feet to do your will. We invite your spirit to fill us with the overflowing love that will carry us into action. Guide us to places most in need of that love. And open our hearts to the calling you have set before us. Blessing us with humility to continuously thank you for all of it. Rooted and grounded in the love that you carry out through your servants, we offer you now all that we have. It is in your name we pray. Amen.
1: Thankful for the Spirit's presence and thankful for these ministers of music who have invited us into very sacred space now. and thankful for you, truly thankful for you on this no good, rainy, bad day to make your way into this space, to log in and participate and be a part of the worshiping community with Yates today. It's been special for me as we continue to read through the first couple chapters of the letter to the Philippians, this is, I'll remind you, something of an opportunity for us to reflect not only on these words of instruction and these words of encouragement to a church dearly loved by one of its founding figures, but it is also an opportunity for us to reflect on what these words and what this encouragement of the church brings forth about Jesus, about Jesus' life, his identity, his ministry, and how that manifests even now. And so I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter one. We'll be reading verses three through eleven today. I thank my god every time i remember you in all my prayers for all of you i will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident in this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since i have you in my heart and whether i am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel all of you share in god's grace with me god can testify how i long for all of you with the affection of christ jesus and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you will be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May God bless the reading and the hearing of these words today. We're going to take a roundabout journey a little bit into what it is that we read today and I want us to travel back in time not very far just yesterday will be sufficient yesterday we gathered in this sanctuary and we remembered one of our church members George Dean Uh, George who died in early December we finally had the opportunity to gather together and offer a memorial time to family to friends and to give thanks to God for a life well lived and a life faithfully lived and one of the features that we could celebrate about george's life and his life with his beloved wife ruth was the sheer longevity of that relationship george first noticed her when he was about 16 years old Um, finally mustered up the courage some years later to ask her out on a date They were married by the time he was early on in his college years. And so adding up all of those years of marriage and relationship, there were at least seven decades of life together. Seven decades, 70 years. And I see some of you kind of shaking your heads in disbelief. We see that testimony over and over again in our midst. It was just a couple of weeks ago that we celebrated Vance and Lafayette having accomplished the, the same thing we look around and we can see and marvel at those who have managed to withstand all the forces that threaten a relationship like that i mean you don't know until you're well into it what it means to say in sickness and in health for better for worse for richer for poorer and as you live on and live life together you realize that love has to be more it has to be more than the saccharine sentiments on a hallmark card and it has to be more than having the right chocolates at the right time that love that is durable love that is made manifest in a relationship like that is made known in this daily faithfulness even to the smallest of things love is something that is practiced that is lived out over and over again not seeking its own way and not seeking accolades but simply participating in building a structure durable enough to withstand the vicissitudes of this life so when we talk about the love of God sometimes we have over sentimentalized that as well and as we reflected on the love that George showed his family to his church, to the world. It was a reflection of a love he learned by receiving the love of God in Jesus Christ. A love that in Old Testament language is called compassionate and gracious and full of loyal or steadfast love. That when the Apostle Paul talks about that kind of love to the Corinthians, He says it 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 believes all things it hopes all things it endures all things love never fails when he called on the Romans to love one another let your love be genuine he says and then goes on in chapter 12 to list out all the practices of love it's not waiting around for the feeling to sort of manifest it is something that you choose And as you choose to apply your life to it over and over and over again, that love becomes strengthened and confirmed. But this is the hard truth that many of us also discover about love. That whether it's the love of a marriage partnership, the love within a family, and I would say even the love that exists within a church, that it always takes to... That if there's going to be something that is shared that is durable the love that we celebrate that comes from god is a love that requires both to be all in and that's what makes it so durable that's what makes it so inseparable and so while it takes two for it to be shared and succeed it only takes one to abandon ship and for the love to fall apart and so love is simultaneously the most durable and fragile experience of our lives where are we going to look and how are we going to live and what are we going to do to cultivate that sort of love not just in our family relationships but especially today I want us to reflect on where that love comes from In the family of God that's who Paul is writing to he's writing to a church and so I want us to listen today as a church so let's transport ourselves now back further in time to maybe about the year 60 you're sitting in a small house in Philippi in AD 60 and Epaphroditus has just arrived after visiting the imprisoned Paul And he brings a letter. He brings greetings from that one that they, some still have a memory of. The same letter that you have kind of opened up in your laps today. That's what Epaphroditus brought to them and read to them. And as he opened the letter, the very first word is a word that warmed their hearts. Paul. All you have to do is say that name and then their minds start moving back. To their own encounters with that person 10 or so years prior this man paul had been in their midst he was working to build up and found a community called the church along the way he got tossed into jail he hadn't committed a crime but even way back then god was calling out a group of people chosen to come together and it's an unlikely group there's a local businesswoman named Lydia who is already a, a robust teacher of the women she wasn't allowed to do it in the synagogue she did it outside the city down by the river and then alongside this this faithful and robust business leader uh, the jailer and his family We think a demon-possessed slave girl. Then somewhere along the way, Euodia and Syntyche came, and they are rivals. They're always fighting and squabbling with each other. What a church! Maybe it sounds familiar. You know, a decade later, Paul is writing them this letter. Paul reintroduces himself on this occasion as a slave. He's not pulling rank. You remember me? I'm the founding pastor. You know who I am. I'm the apostle. I'm a slave of Christ, modeling humility and all the humility that's needed in life in Christian community. He calls them all saints together. The leaders, the the overseers, the ministers, the deacons, and the folks who have no title. All of them together are called to be holy, are called to be set apart for their service in christ and then last week we remembered how paul greets them with two powerful words two hopes two prayers grace and peace remembering that founded on these blessings these gifts that come from god everything else will be built and this is what we know in jesus christ one who discloses to all of us the very grace and love of god calling peace for us that grace is where i want us to pivot into our thoughts today about thanksgiving grace it's only right for me to feel this way about you all because i have you in my heart says paul both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of grace with me. John apologized before he offered the the children's sermon this morning. As I was walking in, he said, "I uh, I did not connect it with your sermon. And I'll say, wrong, John. Because of that word that we read today. We are all partakers of grace that is the foundational truth of who we are in this room some of us may be more spiritually mature we may have more experience in life or in faith or in this church or in church in general at the end of the day and at the beginning of every next day we are all partakers of the same grace we are here not by any sense of entitlement but because the gift of christ was revealed and made real to us that is why we are here and if we spent a lot of time talking with each other we'd realize how weird that is because beyond that common starting point we're all awfully different one of the great books that I read a couple of years ago is by theologian and biblical scholar named Scott McKnight and he wrote a book called a fellowship of difference uh, ENTS each one of us is, is different. And the founding reason for the book, he says, is that his hope for the world is the local church. Because he believes that the heart of God's plan is found in creating a whole new society in a local church. That the church is the model, the church is the sign the church is the outpost of what god is bringing about in the entire world and so before we go out and we try and change the world our focus always has to turn and return also to how we are conducting our lives together and so he places a heavy heavy premium on grace that same word and pardon me for reading to you i just think this paragraph that he wrote is excellent grace is more than being lucky to be on god's side grace is god's goodness showered on people who have failed grace is god's love on those who think they are unlovable grace is god knowing what we are designed to be grace is god believing in us when we have given up grace is someone at the end of their rope Finding new strength. But there's more to grace. Grace is both a place and a power. Grace is God unleashing God's transforming power. Grace realigns and reroutes a life and a community. Grace is when you turn your worst enemy into your best friend. Grace takes people as they are and makes them what they can be. Grace ennobles, grace empowers grace forgives grace frees grace transcends and grace transforms and so to understand Jesus and who he is and how his identity is made manifest in the church it starts not with all of our similarities and all of our homogenous preferences and all of our common affinities but instead To know Jesus is to know that Jesus, when he gathered up followers to participate in his mission, he called together a fellowship of difference. Brothers who were rivals. I was thinking one day about how extraordinary it is that, that Jesus would call to the same table in the same mission, kind of your prototypical government servant, in in Levi, in Matthew the tax collector and then another man named Simon the zealot who is rabidly anti-empire over and over again as you track all of the ways the disciples are together the only way they are together is because they're gathered around Jesus and yet Jesus trusts this group of difference with the most precious mission in the world. And how did he say it? They will know you are my disciples if you love one another. We have to be able to learn to love other Christians. And that's more difficult sometimes than it is to love Some stranger out in the world who may or may not claim faith. Familiarity breeds lots of things. Some say contempt. Familiarity can also cultivate a deep and enduring love. And so how do we get there? How do we begin to take steps to learn to love one another that deeply? I think it's embedded right there in verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you. In all of my memory of you, I thank my God. It's such a powerful word in its original language. It's the same word to give thanks that we use uh, to base our word Eucharist. Thanksgiving. Connected to our Thanksgiving is this sense of connection and communion. When Paul is giving thanks, very much like in the Lord's Supper and remembering Jesus and all Jesus has done, not just for Paul, but for each and every one who shares in that memory. Paul remembers that they are beloved. Paul remembers that they have been saved. Paul remembers that Christ is at work transforming them. And Paul continues to give thanks thanks for them even when those christians might be hard to love he makes a choice to give thanks i think it's important for us to ponder that for a minute how much of our thanksgiving can be chosen about two weeks ago isaac and i were driving home i was taking him home from time at a friend's house And rather ominously, uh, there were some buzzards in the middle of the neighborhood road that had found a fresh squirrel uh, that was no longer living. And they were picking away at it and tried to pick it up and fly away, but they would not move. They had found what they were looking for, and and I had to drive around them, and it was gross. And then I thought about the hummingbird feeder. Some of y'all probably have those, too. Inevitably, the hummingbirds will find the feeder, won't they? So maybe as a thought experiment, um, let's say we have a desert. The buzzards are inevitably going to find their way to the carcasses. And the hummingbirds are always going to find their way to the desert flower. Why is that? They're going to find what they're looking for. They're going to find what they're looking for. We heard it today, the great spiritual truth. If you seek me, as Jeremiah said, you will find me if you search with all your heart. We are seekers after your heart. Jesus said, knock and the door will be open to you, as he talked about prayer. Seek and you will find. Thanksgiving is as much of a choice as we choose to look, as Paul does, for Christ in those who are in this Christian community. Notice Paul doesn't give thanks for things. I remember Euodia's meatloaf. I'm sure it was great. But he doesn't give thanks for the meatloaf that she might create. Didn't give thanks to that great big check that Syntyche wrote. He remembers the people. Gives thanks for the people and how God is at work in their lives in the same way that God is at work his and so in remembering their uniqueness and giving thanks to God with sheer hope in what God is doing in Jesus Christ he is able to look deeply into another person who is very different than he is and give thanks for the ways God is at work in them and holding out hope that the one who began good work in that person in that church will also complete it thanksgiving is the key that unlocks our ongoing cultivation of a garden of love in a church paul could remember a lot of things more vividly he could have remembered the abuse he experienced in the jail he could have remembered the way he suffered he could have continued to grind in acts about those who rejected his message he chose thanksgiving when he saw god at work in another life that's what he remembered and that's what shapes his perspective on the nature of that church it's grace lived out when we can give thanks for the ways we see, even in the lives of those who are wildly different than we. We can see that God values, loves, and is at work in their lives. And we can give thanks for them because of the unique ways that God is at work for them. The medium by which this happens, Paul says, is prayer that prayer is the way we can voice our thanks to God. You can write thank you notes to your sisters, your brothers in church. I encourage you to do it, or texts, or emails, or simply find somebody in the sanctuary. But when we pray to God, there is a transformational journey that we can undertake. I'll never forget when years ago I was in Thailand Uh, on a mission trip i was teaching english for a few weeks uh, to support the work of some missionaries who were embedded in a a community and in a region um, that was non-christian and even within the geography of thailand was a marginalized group because they were not part of the buddhist majority and so they got uh, separate but equal school facilities and, and all the rest And so anything we could do to support the education of their young people was a feather in the cap of the missionaries, right? So to have a natural English speaker kind of stumbling and bumbling through English as a second language instruction was good enough. And I was part of a team from across North Carolina. And and talking to one of the women in our uh, our team, I said, "What, what brought you here? She said, if you had asked me three years ago who the Patani Malay, uh, of southern thailand are I, I couldn't have told you nor could i have cared less about them but my pastor put them on the prayer list as a people group no specific names but as an entire community of people and i started praying for them and as i continued to pray for them i started to pray for their well-being i started to pray uh, for their uplift i prayed that the girls would stay safe i prayed that the boys Uh, would grow strong. I prayed that their families would remain whole. I, I, I prayed that God would work in their lives, that God would bless them. And she said, after about a year and a half of praying, when the opportunity arose for me to come to Thailand, nothing could keep me away. Because I discovered that I'd grown to love them. Through the investment and the transformational experience of the Spirit in prayer. When you pray for your church, When you take that prayer list and you see all of those needs, that's part of the task. When's the last time you made a list of the thankful ways you've seen God come alive in this place? Tend to those memories and give thanks to the person for their faithfulness and to God for God's faithfulness. And see what happens. See what comes out of a community A fellowship of difference which chooses Thanksgiving hoping in the one who began good work in them to be faithful to complete it you know as we move to our time of response it's a time to open our hands to open our hearts to practice our generosity and bring our offerings today I also want you to take some time in prayer and to reflect on a Christian that you're finding it hard to love. Maybe it's a a few Christians you're struggling to love. And ask God to open your eyes to the ways God is at work in his life or her life or their lives. And in prayer, give thanks for that work. And continue to persist in prayer, giving thanks. For God has brought us together. And God will be faithful to bring about God's full purposes in us. But it takes two for that love to be made manifest in the way that God will show it. Let us participate and pray.